fix my car When I buy gas, don't get me very far My baby needs some milk to drink And mama wants her wine I get a check each week But I don't know what's mine I'm losing track I don't know what to do I got the budgeting blues Welcome to Sensible Chat, the podcast committed to helping you learn positive money mindsets, destroy debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Today, we welcome back financial literacy educator Paul Vassi. He's going to talk about ways to set up your kids for financial success and freedom. But first, let's get to the siren of savings, the superstar of smart spending, the hero of hard assets. Here is Sensible Bobby. Thanks, Scott. And thank you for joining me. I'm going to keep my comments short today since I spoke my piece a couple days ago on financial freedom, but I do want to touch on a couple reasons why today's topic is so important. Have you ever said, I wish I'd known then? Yeah, me too. Haven't we all? I think that's why I'm so passionate about teaching kids financial literacy, because if I'd known then what I know now, my life could have been completely different. I could have made better choices, which could have resulted in a better life much earlier on. But that's in the past. I can't change it. What I can do is pass that knowledge to the kids who still have the opportunity for a better head start in life. And by the way, I can also use the knowledge I've found to make my life better going forward. Like we've talked about before, it's never too early and it's never too late. So parents, what do you get from setting up your kids for financial success? The peace that comes with less worry about them as they go out on their own. The confidence that you can plan for the rest of your life without the fear that their financial burdens in adulthood may become yours as you get older and have less resources to help them. And if you can learn with them, they'll have the confidence that your financial burdens won't become theirs as you get older and have less resources to help yourself. Teaching kids about money is a win-win. Consider it a game. And our guest is the perfect person to teach you how to play that game. Have a seat, class, because Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Paul Vassi, financial literacy educator and creator of Cash Crunch Jr., along with many other games designed to teach the value of money and the ability to make smarter money decisions in a fun way. Paul, thanks for being our guest professor again today on Sensible Chat. Yeah, thank you very much. It's wonderful to be back. Well, I saw your post on Facebook, which posed the question, will your kids have enough money? And as you stated, this is one of the greatest worries any parent has. But a lot of times it gets pushed aside and never dealt with. And I think one of the biggest reasons for this is because a lot of parents don't have money management skills themselves. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, a lot of the time, it's all about confidence. A lot of parents don't have money skills, even though they use money every single day. I mean, all you have to do is look at the amount of debt people are in, and you think, well, yeah, obviously, people are living beyond their means, and they don't understand money, even though they have money in their pocket, but they don't understand that they can't spend it all, and they should be saving for a rainy day and all those things. So I totally agree that it's the biggest worry, and I totally agree that parents tend to shy away from teaching their kids because they don't truly understand it themselves. And, you know, it's really about math. And a lot of people are not comfortable about that. So if a parent wants to make sure their kids have enough money in the future, what are the best ways to help them throughout their childhood? 
the first thing they need to do is teach them the value of money. Just like a parent should learn this as well, where they work out how much they get paid per hour. And then when they go to buy something, they should be thinking about that purchase and how long has it taken me to earn that money to buy that product? So now they're saying, is it worth their time? Has it got value? And then the same can be going to the child and saying, you know what, here's your allowance, here's $5 a week, $10 a week. Once you spend that money, it's gone. So if they taught them the value of money and tough love, i.e. your money's gone, it's gone. You have to wait till next week. The child will learn the value of money, be more careful about what they're going to spend their money on. So as they go through life, they're actually slowing down and not as impulsive in buying things and spending a little bit more time and thought in, is this product actually worth something to me? That's the secret. And I think that brings up an interesting point, because especially for low income families, I think a lot of times there's shame around money. And so parents may feel bad that they can't always say yes to their kids. But beyond the fact that they may not have enough money to give the kids everything they ask for, it also goes deeper than that in that, you know, if you don't teach those kids those skills, they're not going to have them when they get out on their own, right? Exactly. I mean, if a kid never understands the value of money, they'll always be spending more money than they have. You know, this relates whether you're on the poverty line or you're a multimillionaire. If you're spending your money without really any management or learning the value of money, regardless of how much you're earning, you're going to be in the same position. You're going to be stressed out about money because you haven't learned the value of it and being able to hold on to it and be more thoughtful about your purchases. So, it's for, for the poor of the poor, the rich of the rich. You know, even if you've got so much money coming in and you've got a lot of money coming in, there's still a lot of expensive things you can buy well, and yeah. you can blow through that. And you see it all the time. So do you think that parents have a better shot at helping their kids have enough money in the future if they, as parents, learn the money management skills too? Oh, 100%. Just like anything, if you understand something, you're more aware of it yourself. So as a parent, if you understand the money management skills, you know, you're obviously a leading by example for the child, the child to see that you got your money habits under control. You're not stressed about money and worried where where the next paycheck is going to cover the mortgage because the money does cause a lot of stress in the household too. And kids pick up on that. And also the fact that if the parent understands the money skills and are comfortable with it, they're probably going to speak more to the child about money skills. So you're passing it along. Definitely. So what are some ways that parents and kids can learn these skills together? Oh, there's so many ways. Play board games, play Monopoly, pay Cash Crunch. You know, there's all those games. But even if it's driving down the street and you're looking at the gas prices, ask them, I need 12 gallons in my car. How much is it going to cost me to fill up? You're walking in the supermarket and hey, how much is that? How much does it cost per unit? We only have $50 to spend today in the, in the supermarket. What's our running total? What change should I get? Hey, here's a discount. This on sale. How much money would we save if we bought it? But do we actually need it? Are we going to buy it just because it's on sale or is it something we want? And if it's something we want, how much money are we actually saving properly? So there's just those many ways. But the one thing I will say is just because it's on sale, you're not saving money. You're actually spending more than you would actually thought you were going to spend. Because if you see some shoes on sale and you hadn't planned to buy those shoes and just because they're on sale, 
doesn't actually mean you're saving money. You're actually spending more than you'd actually plan to spend. Yeah, that's always one that trips people up, you know, and, yeah. and you always hear these commercials that the more you spend, the more you save. It's kind of like, um, no, I mean, if you can get a good deal on something you were going to buy anyway, that's one thing. But yeah, yeah. just to buy something because it's on sale. If yeah. you're spending, you're spending. So Absolutely. And then just a couple of other little things. So, for example, the phone bills at home, you know, and the cell phone providers and everything else, they could be looking at that and seeing actually how much it costs and maybe getting them to do some research on, hey, find me a better phone provider, a better deal, or um, hey, this is all the bills that are coming into our household, and this is all the money that we have to spend. Look where the money's going and how much we've got left. So again, there's so many different things we can do, either out on the high street, walking around the stores and in the, in the car, driving along, and then also in the household itself. Those are such great ideas, and you speak to them with such passion. I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking your kids must have a blast in your household because these are all like fun little games. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, the thing, again, at the end of the day, when you make it little games, first of all, kids love games. They love taking part in games, whether it's the competitive element or whether it's getting it right or wrong, you know, and they're learning without realizing. But the point is, it's fun. Right. But ultimately, it's about them. So if you make the process about them, you're empowering them, you're giving them the chance to become experts and making the right decisions and answers. And because it's a game, if they get it wrong, it doesn't matter. You know, because you can joke and say, oh, no, you got that wrong. Hang on, try again. You know, there's no downside to getting an answer wrong in a game because you can finish the game and start a new game and it's forgotten about. But the lesson has gone with them. What a very cool thing. And that's so important because it teaches kids so many skills. Number one, the one thing that I was thinking of is, you know, when you're a kid and you're in school, you always say, well, when am I ever going to use this? Well, Uh if you're doing those kind of games, you're showing them where they're going to use math constantly, you know, but you're also teaching them how to think and strategize. But it also, I think, gives them confidence and it gives them kind of a some skin in the game in the household while they're kids, you know, because they have a little bit of control, if you will, that may not be the right word but they have some input yeah absolutely and it gives them responsibility so for example you know one of the big bugbears i think most parents have across the u.s is kids never turn the lights off right (laughs) when they're not in the house you know or leaving the tap running or leaving the refrigerator open or whatever right or wasting food or whatever it is but if the kids know that when they leave the lights on you've got to pay for that and you show them the bill of hey I've got to pay this much a month. How can we get this down? They might say, well, hey, maybe we should use less electricity. Well, how do we do that? Well, maybe we turn off the lights. Now you've made it about their suggestion. They come up with a solution. And guess what? You're giving them ownership of that. So when they don't do that, you can say, hey, hey, hang on a second. We're to keep this bill down. What have, you, what have you forgot to do? Oh, yeah, I forgot to turn the light off. And they go and do it without thinking about it until the point that it becomes a habit. So now they've gone to that habit. So when they get older and they move out of that house, they're the ones already looking to turn off the lights when it's not needed. Yeah. What a novel concept. (laughs) What a great thing. (laughs) Yeah, because at some point they're going to look at the bill, you know, when they're older and say, oh, my goodness, I got to get to find a way to get this down. And it's a lot easier if you already have those habits instilled in you. Absolutely. I mean, then you just think about the waste. So one of the things you could do at the end of the month or the, you know, whatever, is if kids are not eating their food or this food that's been thrown out, 
you could then put that as a an amount of money on the table. And just saying with the, with the lighting, you could work out a proportion of something, and you could say in front of them, you could say, "Well, here's one hundred and fifty dollars that we threw away. Let's just throw that in the bin now in front of you." Yeah, and it's a way of going. Wow, we really did waste one hundred fifty dollars. And then you could say, "Well, you know, you're always wanting something like a BMX, or you're wanting some shoes, or we want to go to the beach for the day." Well, you know, this hundred and fifty dollars that we just wasted could have gone towards that. So now they're realizing that they're losing potentially activities or things that they really want, you know, as rewards, sure. that money's gone. That's powerful stuff. <laughs> I love Reverse that. psychology. It's great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, you have a lot of games, and I, I want to talk about your games because you've got a lot of different stuff going on. But mm-hmm. first, let's talk about FinCon Junior because there's a ton of great resources for kids and parents focused on how to learn about money. So tell me yeah. about FinCon Junior. Yeah, so as you know, with this, the FinCon community where, you know, there's over 10,000 members that write every single article that's written about credit cards and financial awareness is written through someone from the FinCon community, really. So what I did is I, I created FinCon Junior, which is a Facebook page that anyone can go to. And there's people within the FinCon community that actually post stuff that they're doing. So you get to understand what's going on. So, for example, Sammy Rabbit or Sam X, he likes to call himself, he teaches money habits through a singing rabbit. Uh, it's brilliant. Sammy the Rabbit is absolutely brilliant. There's Holly Reed with virtual money camps. Queen Teresa has got a TV channel. You post stuff on there every now and again as well. So there's a lot of great stuff that people are doing. It's like the inside track on what's actually happening and what's the future of financial literacy. And there's lots of free courses on there. And there's lots. There's a lot of things on there that you wouldn't know are out there. So you can either get in on the ground floor or you can actually get to know the authors because you can send them messages and you can just see what's coming next and what might appeal to you. Yeah, I think it's a great thing for parents because there are so many resources there, you know, parents and educators and a lot of people. But if you're looking to teach kids about money, that's a great place. FinCon Junior has all kinds of great resources. And one of them, of course, is you. I mean, you're you're the creator of it and you're (laughs) always on there posting stuff. And last year we talked about your personal finance game, Cash Crunch Junior. And by the way, for people that missed that episode, it was December 2nd and it's titled The Gift of Financial Literacy. So you can go back and listen to that but you've been working on a bunch of different games since then so what's out now and what are you working on yeah i am in the middle of revamping cash crunch junior reading and investing and charitable tile to that so you're actually able to start putting money aside for that during covid and it's still on now on my website there is a free printable version called on the go which is a mini it's like a light version of cash crunch junior you can play in 15 minutes It does the same kind of stuff, teaches you to count money, save money, all that good stuff. Also working, I had an online game, which is now with pfinlab.com. And that's an online budgeting and stock market challenge and with a curriculum. So you can actually play online for all the kids, really high school upwards, where they're learning to manage the money, make decisions and use a credit card and credit scores and all the important things you need for adulthood. And I'm also working on some card games, uh, personal finance card game, employability skills, and then I'll be doing music and math and chemistry. So it's basically learning on the go as a deck of cards. So those are just a few of the things that I'm working on. There'll be a lot to come out over the next six months. 
something for everybody. It sounds like that's great. So tell me why you believe games are so powerful for teaching kids about personal finance. Oh, as I I mentioned before, it's about making it about them. It's creating an experience that they will remember. You know, when I was at school, this is a starting point for me uh, when I really started thinking about games. It was more to do with the actions. A lot of people are virtual. They learn by seeing and they learn by hearing in terms of doing and getting involved. And I learned a lot through conversations. If I read a book, I will not remember what I've read. But if you tell me about it and tell me a story about it and get me to ask questions and listen all the way through, I remember it because it's about me. Sounds selfish, but that's what happens. But then in a board game, when you're playing the game, A, you're learning about the experience because it's fun. You have the roller coaster of emotion, but it's based around your decisions. And when you make a decision, you can see the action, the reaction, and the consequence So it's something you can remember. So if you do something and it doesn't go well, you think, oh, man, I need to fix that for next time. Or if you do something and it does well and it works out, you'll remember what you did right and you'll use that for next time. And that's the beauty of board games and gamification and even having conversations because you can read the other person and you can figure out what the reaction is and it takes it away from a textbook. Now I'm saying textbooks are a great source in terms of clarifying everything afterwards, but games and conversations for me are the best way to learn. You've got all sorts of learners, visual learners and everything else. So this is a great way to learn. Yeah. And it's kind of like a simulator, right? I mean, when you're playing a game, you're going through the motions and you're actually putting, I mean, a textbook can tell you what to do, but if you don't put it into action and follow through and see what happens when you do that, then you're never going to, and that's the only way that you're going to make mistakes and learn from it as well. Exactly. Absolutely. 100%. Just that's the way it is, unfortunately. And uh, some people will be able to quote words, but they don't know what it means. I mean, that was one of the first things I remember. Do you remember? I don't know. We'll show our age here, but (laughs) watching Dawson's Creek. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and Dawson used to be a bit of a smarty pants. Right. And at the end, he'd always quote, Mark Twain said this. Yeah. You know, and you think, okay, so what did Mark Twain say? And he'll be there. Well, Mark Twain said this. Well, no, tell me what he said. What did he mean? No, Mark Twain said this. He had no understanding what Mark Twain was actually talking about. It was just a bunch of words that he thought, oh, well, I understand what that means, but he didn't. Yeah. And it's so true. You know, if regurgitating something that you learned isn't enough, you've got to be able to put it into action and understand exactly. what you're doing in order to. Uh, yeah. So do you believe that it's possible for families at any income level to teach their kids the money skills they need to live financially independent lives? Yeah, 100 percent. Anybody can learn how to become financially independent. And there's a couple of little things I want to just explain. First of all, if you follow this, you will have more money, all right? It's not necessarily the secret of money, but it is a secret, if you know what I mean. So the first one is learning the value of money. You have to work to earn your money or you get a pay, you know, you get an allowance or whatever. That money is only there for a certain period of time or you've only got one amount of it until it's replaced with more hours worked or another week's worth of allowance, right? So if you think about that, you get $10 for the week. If you spend it, it's gone. So now you've got to be thinking about the value of your money. So when you're spending, what is the value of your money? Was it worth your time? Is it worth the sacrifice of once that $10 is gone, I've got nothing until I get another $10. 
or if I'm working, this is your paycheck. If I spend my paycheck, I have nothing until the next paycheck. So is it worth your time and your sacrifice of not having money until your next paycheck? That's the first thing. The next thing is something I like to call COBS, C-O-B-S. So when you've got your money, before you start spending, do some comparison shopping. Find out the best price. Because if you could buy something for $5 instead of $8, you've just saved yourself $3, which you, you can use elsewhere. Opportunity cost, the cost of choosing one thing over another. So instead of buying new, can you buy used? If you're going to buy a bicycle, does it have to be a top-of-the-range mountain bike or can it just be a mountain bike? If you're going to buy a phone, does it have to be the latest phone? Can it be just a standard phone? So you're looking at the different things there, okay? So the opportunity cost. But this is where the B in Cobbs comes. But you should always save something first. So you're not spending all the money you get. Put some of it away, 10%, 20% away. And the money you've got left, and this is where it comes into the value of money, because you've got less money, so if I get $10 in allowance and I put a dollar away or $2 away, I only have $8 left. Now I need to be more vigilant in how I spend that $8 because I'm going to pretend that's all I have left. And I'm going to be more thoughtful in how I spend that money. But meanwhile, my $2 each week in allowance is building up. So by the end of the year, you've got over $100 saved for anything you want for Christmas or birthdays or anything else. But you're just making smarter decisions with the $8. If they follow that, and it doesn't matter what income level you're at, that should give them more money in the future and get them onto the road to financial independence. Because even as a kid learning the value of money, and we talked about the different things about the waste and the electricity bill and all those things, you know, and even buying food in, in the supermarkets and everything else, you're looking for the best deal. I'm not saying go without things. I'm just saying be more mindful in how you spend your money. Right. And I think that whole thing that you just talked about, the Cobbs thing, really goes to two things in my mind. Number one, you know, the, the fact that we tend to get caught up in the keeping up with the Joneses. And yeah. if you can focus on what's really important to you instead of what someone else has, then that's mm-hmm. going to be a good way to separate yourself from that. Because whatever the Joneses has, it doesn't matter. You're focused on the things that are really important to you and how you're going to use your money, spending or saving to to put those in focus for your own life. Oh, 100%. And a lot of people buy a lot of things that they don't want to impress people right. that they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> so if you just say, at the end of the day, what they're also going to realize is after they've gone home, it's only them behind the closed doors. It's only those people have got to deal with their own money. Everybody else does this for show. I mean, a classic example, I was at university. I had saved Back in the day, I was earning $2.25 an hour, and I saved over $1,000 to go to college. And I went to college, and my new housemate, we would go out, and he would be very flash with his money. He was telling me to spend my money and buying clothes and everything else, and I blew through that 1000 bucks. right? What I didn't know while he was spending my money was daddy was giving him a check. <laughs> daddy was a millionaire and giving him an allowance every week. My $1,000 was my only $1,000. So... What I should have done was actually either learn more about where he was getting his money from, but B, I should have been stronger in saying, well, this is all the money I have, and this is only how much I have per week to get through the semester. 
to go home to work again to continue. So from then on, I was in an overdraft and I was chasing the overdraft. And so when I went home for the summer, I was working to pay off my overdraft. And maybe I had a hundred bucks in my account and I would be living off my overdraft all the way through my student life because I couldn't get ahead because I'd spent all my money initially. So it's a vicious circle. Yes, it is. Lesson well learned, though, right? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I was thinking about, and and that goes to to the same thing, is you were talking about financial independence, and you know we're just a couple of days past Fourth of July, so it's a perfect time to touch on that because I think that's where this whole thing goes is financial independence, and you want your kids to be able to have a good life, and the more financially independent that you can become the better because even I mean just in the situation that we've been through in the past several months and are going through now with COVID we've Mm -hmm. seen so many people financially devastated by that and I'm hoping that that gives parents and kids kind of a a motivation if they needed another one to really focus on that going forward so that they can ride out these storms that can happen. Oh absolutely you know this is a perfect time to learn about money because everybody's worried about money. And if you work, you're talking about money, you come up with a solution. And instead of trying to take it on your own shoulders, you know, if your kids understand that, hey, money's tight, what can we do to save money? Let's start talking. Let's have that conversation. And the kids can help in a lot of ways. And even if it's just, even if it's like they say five cents or 10 cents or something like that, you know, the parents know they're not in on their own. And everybody's working together. And there's that love in the household that they're coming together under difficult circumstances. You know, and I think that's a big part of it as well. And also the kids will probably be less likely to be wanting things. So there's less pressure on the parents to say no or give them what they want and then worry about the consequences. So, you know, open dialogue. And just going back to FinCon, there's a lady called, I mean, even for the young, young, young kids, there's a lady called uh, Debbie Todd with uh, Money Commanders. It's a puppet show. And she's teaching them through puppet shows. So you can take it for a real youngster level and all the way upwards about just how to have a conversation with your child about money. And just going back to the right now, the fear around money and everything, I think that if kids are more involved, because, you know, kids see the fear in their parents. They're not stupid. You know, a lot of them are concerned because they know their parents are concerned. So the more, like you were saying, open communication that you can have with your kids about that, I think the less concerned they're going to be because they understand more that even while this may be an issue right now, there are ways that we can combat it and let's work on those ways together. Oh, absolutely. And again, it's everybody's in it together. No one's wanting extravagant things. We know it's a tough time. There's better understanding. And I read somewhere there's a statistic that 80% of all arguments in the household start around money. Yeah. So if you can eliminate that in tough times, you can have a happy household and a loving family. What a beautiful thing that is. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, on that note, how can people get in touch with you and find out about all the fun games that you've got out now or have in the works and also just keep up on your posts because you give out so much great information on a daily basis? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Yeah. So just on Instagram, on Facebook, um, not so much Twitter these days. And on my website, Cash Crunch Games, cashcrunchgames.com and at Cash Crunch Games. I think we're on Pinterest as well. CashCrunchGames.com and uh, at CashCrunchGames on all the social media sites. Is that right? Yeah. 
and how it came about was the fact that we had the credit crunch before years ago and people were struggling. Now, when you don't spend, look after your money, you get crunched by your cash. It's just as simple as that. So cash crunch and we have games to make it come alive. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for all the great work that you do for kids and personal finance. And I hope everybody goes to your website, checks it out. And Cash Crunch Jr. is a great game. I've played it myself. I love it and I highly recommend it. Thanks a lot, Bobby. It's always great to be with you and having a chat. A big sensible thank you to our guest professor, Paul Vassi, founder of CashCrunchGames.com. Check out his website and follow him on social media for fun games and valuable insights on teaching kids about money. I love talking to Paul. He's got such creative ways to make learning fun for kids and adults. When you're ready to put the ideas and strategies into practice, you're ready to create a budget. Get the kids involved in this too, because a budget is going to be really important for them when they get out on their own. Right now, you can create a successful budget that works for your family. To get started, take my 10-day budget challenge, which is available on the resources page at sensiblechat.com. You can also get the kids started on their own budget, even if they're too young to have a job. Kids of all ages get birthday and Christmas money. Some get allowance and some do odd jobs for a little cash here and there. However small, they can use this to start their budget. It can start as simply as three categories, spend, save, and give. They decide how much goes into each category and what they plan to do with it. The money in the spend category can be used for whatever they choose in the moment. No guilt, because it was meant for that purpose. You can help them think through what they'd like to save for. What's important to them beyond the latest toy today? Is it a car in the future or an expensive toy that simply costs more than the change they have in their pocket today? And then the third category, how would they like to give? Who would they like to give to? For older kids, start them thinking about their future and the money they're going to need to live the lifestyle they dream about. Imagine if they could buy a car with cash instead of ever having to finance. We tend to think in a backward fashion about money. We hit adulthood, get out on our own with our first job and start financing cars, going into debt to buy furniture, and on and on, because that's just what normal people do, right? Plus, we can afford the monthly payments now that we're working, so what's the big deal? But that thought process is what leads many of us down the rabbit hole. Because inevitably, something out of the ordinary will happen. Something the paycheck can't cover. Now you're going further into debt to cover the unexpected, and before you know it, you can barely make the minimum payments and keep a roof over your head. Now you're stressed, can't do a lot of things you'd like to, and then come the layoffs. Now you're really in trouble. What if kids could get ahead of all that? They can. If they start working when they're still living with you and begin building their financial foundation, they'll be on solid footing when they get out on their own. Now they can pay cash for the car and the furniture and even have an emergency fund in case the car breaks down or they lose their job. Less stress, more choices. But how do they keep track of everything? Create a budget. It's amazing how much a simple budget can help you plan your spending, make sure you execute it the way you planned, and keep track of what you have left. It's a constant roadmap that's always moving forward, and it puts you in control. If you need help getting started or someone to walk you through the process, reach out to me. I'm happy to help. Remember, budgeting is not hard. It's just math. Changing your mindset is what trips most people up. But if you're ready to take control of your financial life and help your kids do the same, you might find it a bit easier to change your mindset 
and live the life you dream about. So until next time, remember, do the math, live the life. That does it for this episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. Links for all the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes for this episode at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. While you're there, find your favorite app to be sure and never miss a show. On social media, look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to Sensible Bobby through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. 